Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, you're listening to Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, so this week, I wanted to break down the first week of the NBA playoffs, the first two, couple weeks for the first round. Uh, some some good storylines there. Touch on some NFL news. Talk about some TV. And I guess we could talk about the fan behavior. A lot of people have been discussing that over the past few days. Uh, finished Mayor of Easttown. And then also want to talk about hacks, both of those on HBO Max. And uh, what else we have? I think that's about it. Uh, so, so I'll start with some just a quick NFL news. Um, I guess Aaron Rodgers was on Sports Center a couple weeks ago, and he confirmed he basically wanted out when he was talking to Kenny Maine, which was his last uh, Sports Center show he was hosting. And he had agreed. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had agreed to go on there with him since I guess they're buddies. So he basically just confirmed that he wants out of Green Bay and he said it was a, a cultural thing and not he lo- he said he loves the coaches and the teammates and all that and but it's just a cultural shift or something. So it's like, okay, well I mean why do you want to leave then if it's just culture? Um, and then Julio Jones, uh, he was called by Shannon Sharp on Undisputed. They have like a legal situation now because they called him and it sounds like Julio Jones didn't know he was on live T V on live air and he was on speaker, and he asked him, hey, uh, do you want to play with the Cowboys? Or are you trying to go back to Atlanta? And then Julio Jones says, oh, I'm out of there, man. So, um, and, you know, he has to be alerted beforehand that, hey, you're going to be on TV, so, you know, I'm going to call you. I'm going to have you on speaker, but, uh, you know, so there's a, a there has to be a two-party agreement. So they're, Fox Sports is in some, some legal trouble, sounds like, but I haven't heard any update on that. Uh, but anyway... Uh, Julio Jones had requested a trade back in March or something, which I didn't think that made sense for the Falcons to then go ahead and draft Kyle Pitts, where they did in this past draft, because I thought, you know, you, you have Julio Jones there. There was rumors about him um, about him being available, uh, but, you know, this is the first time you hear from Julio Jones wanting to be traded. And so, you know, they still took the best available offensive player, and, you know, it sounds like they're going to just ride it out with, with Matt Ryan, with whatever he has left. They're the only team in the NFL that doesn't have a, a backup quarterback. So all their eggs are in the Matt Ryan basket there. Um, I I thought they'd be they'd be pretty good offensively with Julio Jones there. Uh, Falcons are seeking a first-round pick. I'm not sure who's wanting to give that to him. He's 32 years old. He's still under contract for three more years at about $15 million a year. Um, the Titans have been thrown around, the Seahawks, the Seahawks are always thrown around. They're probably trying to make Russell Wilson happy, so they're going to try very hard to get him opposite of, um, DK Metcalf. If I'm the Packers, though, I call immediately and try to get a, uh, not a first round pick, but how about you just trade him Jordan Love? You know, you get a, a backup for Matt Ryan and he could be your quarterback for the future. And then you just maximize what you have with Aaron Rodgers and uh, Devontae Adams. Then you got Julio Jones there on the other side. That'd be a deadly, deadly offensive team, and, and they could win a Super Bowl with that. Um, it's going to take a first-round pick, though. Just throw one, throw one out in there that's you know way down the road, five years from now, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, just make Aaron Rodgers happy. That would make him happy. That I guarantee you, that would get him to show up to OTAs and not be in Hawaii with his fiance, hanging out with his friends and stuff. Which you know that always annoys me too. Whenever someone's on vacation, enjoying their lives. Like, oh, so-and-so's not OTAs. Oh, let's let's post all these pictures and videos of them on their vacation. Like, man, fuck off. Just let them live their lives, right? Uh, so that's what I would do if I was the Green Bay Packers. And then I think other teams were the Colts were throwing around there. Also the 49ers. The 49ers don't have the draft pick. Uh, the draft picks 
to or the capital there to offer anything to the Falcons. They'd have to probably offer some young player or something. Um, and then I don't know if they'd want to do that at his age, but he was in Kyle Shanahan's system already. So, uh, But they said that there was rumors that he would be traded this week. Um, so we'll look out for that, I guess. Haven't seen anything else uh, regarding that yet today. Um, and then let's see what else. Um, some NBA news. You have you have the playoffs that started. And I, I was so wrong on uh, on a couple fronts there. I think I, I had the the Warriors beating the Grizzlies. You know, in that second play playing game, the Grizzlies ended up beating them there. So the Warriors missed the playoffs, and um, now Memphis is playing Utah, and uh, the Lakers since they had beaten uh, Golden State there, they are playing uh, the Phoenix Suns. So I just want to go through kind of each series here. I guess we could start with the the Suns and the Lakers. Uh, so first, you know, you had you had Chris Paul. He was playing well. And then, you know, they they uh, they take that game from L.A. And then Chris Paul gets injured, though. He, he has a shoulder injury, you know, and he's kind of – he can barely dribble, barely shooting the ball. You know, there's obviously some discomfort there. He's in and out of the lineup. And, you know, then the Lakers, they're – now they're tied 2-2. You know, the Lakers had, had won the next two games. And, you know, that last one, I guess the one before this last one, they they were just toying with them. You know, they were, you know, the bench was up, you know, mimicking LeBron, his post moves. And, Le, and LeBron was just kind of coming out. Jay Crowder, you know, they've been kind of having, not, I wouldn't say a route rivalry. You know, it's probably one-sided with, with Jay Crowder. He's He seems to still be upset about uh, Cleveland and how they shipped him off after that, that season with LeBron there. Um, and he he probably feels slighted in a way. Anyway, so it seemed like the Lakers were just like it, just toying with the Suns, and they're in, in Phoenix's head, and you know the series was over. And then this next game, Anthony Davis has a growing injury, and and Chris Paul all of a sudden looks healthier. He looks better. He's back to his old ways. He's you know putting up good numbers. He's affecting the offense in a in a positive way. He's you know he, he has his his patented step back jumper that's working. His mid range jumper is going in. And so then they win that game. It's another 2-2. And it sounds like Anthony Davis isn't going to play this next game. And LeBron hasn't been great. He's been effective, but he hasn't been, you know, he seems like he's still coasting until he absolutely needs to play at 110%, which this next game, it seems like he, he needs to because if, or tonight they play at 7 uh, Pacific. So if, if AD is out, you know, LeBron, he has to go 100% this game and has to, has to put up 30 at least because they're, you know, we talked about the Lakers offseason moves. They had depth. You know, they were making good moves for, for their bench and stuff. But, you know, a lot of guys have been struggling. Um, you know, but they, they're still winning. You know, defensively, they're, they're a good defensive team. But mainly it's because Phoenix hasn't been able to stop Anthony Davis at all. And now that he's injured, you pretty much only have to worry about LeBron initiating offense. It may be Dennis Schroeder, but he still doesn't have his legs under him after uh, he was out for COVID with COVID for a couple weeks. Um, so I think that part of it, Phoenix, they look like they're kind of in the driver's seat here. If they can still, if Chris Paul plays like he did the last game and if he looks as healthy, Devin Booker has been great so far in these playoffs. A lot of these young, uh, talented guys are, are, you know, showing, showing up when they need to and kind of showcasing their skills on a, on a way higher level there during the playoffs. You know, you have, uh, John Morant, he's having, he's having a good, Good run here, and then uh, even Dylan Brooks, and then 
uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's he's still putting up big numbers, and uh, Trey Young, he he's responded well there in that in that series against uh, the Knicks. But you know, right now, um, you know, I don't want to doubt LeBron, but mainly it was you, you had that one-two combo there with with LeBron and AD, and if AD is out, I don't see those other guys stepping up. Um, I'll still I'll still take the Lakers in this series. You know, if even if AD's out, you know, and they lose this one. Phoenix is up 3-2, but then AD needs to come back that next game for sure. And, you know, the severity of the growing injury, he could be out a few weeks, Will definitely will not be 100%, but if he can't really move or play at all, then the Lakers are done. So I, I don't really know the severity of it. If he misses two games, the Suns are going to win. If he just misses one, I'll, I'll still take the Lakers, uh, but it doesn't look good for them at all. Um, and then I'll just go over the, the games today, I guess. Um, so, and then you got the Blazers and the Nuggets. That series has been, it's been kind of boring here and there. Uh, you know, you had a couple of blowouts and, you know, the first game I think was close. Um, that one seems like it's going to go seven games. It's, it's really hard for me to believe that, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ aren't going off as much as I thought they would. You know, they have Compazzo who's just like kind of a nuisance for them and you know they seem really annoyed that they're they're playing against them and they're just kind of tired of them but they them too they need to go off like each game and CJ needs to step up a little bit to, to kind of take the pressure off of Dame so that they're not constantly like doubling him every time he gets the ball and switching off you know so when CJ is also there it also it has added pressure that they can't just add they can't just double uh Dame there and then Nurk, he has to stay out of foul trouble. He's the only one that can kind of stop Jokic in a way. Not you can't completely stop him, but just kind of neutralize him down down low and stuff. And uh, he's got to he's just got to stay healthy because you can't put you can't put Cantor down there. He can't defend at all. He could rebound and stuff, but that's about it. So you really have pretty much one defender down there that you can use in this Nurkic, but. He's either injured or in foul trouble, but he's been he's been staying he's been staying okay so far this this series he's been in there. I think he fouled out the other game, but um, he has to be consistent this series for them to win. Um, it's just going to be a, a tough series either way, I think. But I, it seems like from here on out, it's going to go seven games. Um, Blazers getting some help from Carmelo Anthony and the Nuggets. You know, uh, Michael Porter. He kind of crumbled in that last game. He had, what do you have, like three points or nine points, something like that. He just did nothing, and they got completely blown out. Um, so they played a night at six on NBA TV. Uh, look for the Blazers to capitalize on this. I think they're playing in, oh, they're playing back in Denver, um, so they should be better. But, um, but yeah, the Blazers have to figure out what they're going to do with Zach Collins. He's injured again, and they could use him uh, for this type of series, especially defensively, to offer some depth behind Nurk. Um, and then see the Celtics and the Nets, they tipped off uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, you have, you have Brooklyn leading three, one, you know, the Nets is only, ch or the Celtics is only chances when, uh, Jason Tatum goes off for 50 plus, And that's what he did the other day. And that's how they got their one win, but should be a, a gentleman's sweep today. And they are back in Brooklyn for that game, which I'm sure Kyrie Irving is excited about. Uh, you know, if you haven't watched the news, there's been a, a lot of fan interactions, you know, a fan in Boston, you know, the fans of Boston don't like him, obviously, because he quit on the team, he said, hey, I'm not going to leave, this is where I want to be, 
But then he left, and he's just been kind of flaky. And then Kyrie is just—he's just annoying. You know, he's just kind of a frustrating person. Um, but you know, a fan threw a water bottle at him and it grazed him as he was leaving the court. That fan ended up getting arrested and charged. And um, and the, before that, Kyrie had walked up to the court and was kind of stomping on on Lucky. It was just. It's kind of stupid when you do it on a court because it's just a court. I get it in football when you can like rub your cleats on the on the logo and kind of mess it up and stuff. But it's like, dude, you already won the game. You guys are obviously you were close to a sweep, but then you know Jason Tatum went off. You're, I know you're still bitter with the organization for some reason. You're the one who chose to leave. Like, so get over your shit. You already beat them and you're embarrassing them. So like, what's the point of doing your stupid stomp? on the logo and then you try to do it like all nonchalantly like no one's gonna notice it like, if you're gonna stomp fucking stomp like do it just might as well spit on the court right like fucking do it but you know that that doesn't you know that doesn't make it okay for someone to throw a bottle at him um and and you know i guess in general you know you had uh russell westbrook he was this was messed up too he was like limping off off the court during a playoff game injured well, he had an ankle injury, and then as he was as he was leaving in Philly, you know, a, a fan dumped popcorn on him. Trey Young got spit on. He was like a, a like right by the uh, court side, a couple rows um, from the first row. It was I think the guy was like third or fourth row, something like that. Uh, he you could see him on video. He spit on Trey Young or tried to. It didn't get him, but it got Fifty Cent's wife or something. Um, and then I guess yesterday too. It was, this was in. Was this in Philly? Uh, someone stormed the court, and then they got tackled by security. Or this was in Washington. They got uh, they got tackled by security and then arrested as well. But let's not pretend like fans all of a sudden are just like the worst people ever. Fans have always been the worst people ever. You know, when the Miami Heat in 2011, when they first came together, the big three, people were throwing batteries at them. You know, you have... Uh, you have old fans you know storming the courts and and the people getting injured and um you know you have the malice of the palace happen because someone threw a beer and then that just escalated and then you know the all hell broke loose and ron artest knocked somebody out um you, you have the the fans in philly they're booing santa there's always fight if you go to giants and dodgers game there's always fights at uh, a's in Giants game, um, there's always fights at a Cowboys game, I feel like. There's always some videos of fans getting into it all the time. Fans have been have been saying terrible things to players forever. Uh, Utah has always been a uh, racist fan base where they, they, you know, they say some racist things. Even, the, I mean, also the Celtics. You know, and now I think it's more like, okay, we need to hold people accountable. But, you know, like, this isn't a new thing. This has been going on forever you know and i mean look what they do in in other countries for soccer a ref makes a bad call they have literally stoned referees to death for doing stuff like that so and then they they write in the streets and they they burn cars and set you know flags on fire and dumpsters on fire so i mean just fandom in general like you're crate you're kind of a psycho you know if you're you're out in there in the fans and doing stuff but out there in the stands doing crazy stuff, but you know, obviously, no one should spit on people or stuff and or say racist things. But we have always yelled at people, and I say we because you know I've done it too. You know, when I've gone to uh, Giants and Dodgers games, and and I think 
uh, fans have to hold other fans accountable. Just like, you know, when I was in high school and I yelled at Hanley Dormitas and I said, I must have said that he fucking sucks or, hey, he sucks a dick or something like that. I yelled it, though, because, you know, I'm at a, I'm at a Giants and Dodgers game. I was in San Francisco and... And then everyone like turned around. I was I just thought that's what you do. And everyone turned around like, "Hey man, there's kids here. You can't yell. We have a code of conduct. You can't you can't be yelling and cussing at people." I'm just like, "Okay, I thought I thought that's what you do." So I was like, "All right, my bad." So I stopped, you know. But but you know that, and I felt embarrassed because someone some other fans called me out there, and my mom was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, I, "I thought that's what you're supposed to do. You know, we're it's a rivalry. I'm gonna tell them how I feel." You know, I'm not gonna spit on him or anything, but I'm gonna yell something that he's gonna hear. So I don't, I don't do that anymore. But um, even when I was in college in Oregon State beat Wisconsin when they were ranked tenth, this was like 2014 or something. We all stormed the field. Everyone stormed the field. I stormed the field. And I took my shirt off. I'm waving in the air. And I'm looking around. No one else has their shirt off. I'm like, okay. So I, I there's a line there, and I obviously I crossed it. So I had to put my shirt back on. So this just, you know, we have to all hold each other accountable for certain things. And I mean, even in 2013, there was, uh, was this, or 2014, this was the NFC championship game, the Seahawks and the 49ers in Seattle, Navarro Bowman gets that fumble. He gets that strip at the goal line. I still think he had possession and the 49ers should have had possession at the goal line with a chance to win the game. But that's, that's another discussion, uh, for another day. But then, uh, Navarro Bowman, he tore his ACL on that play and it was being carted off. And fans in the stands were just dumping popcorn all over Navarro Bowman as he was injured. And, I mean, that wasn't like a top headline, right, on SportsCenter. Like, no one was talking about it. There was like, oh, passionate fans in Seattle, right? So it's just like I think things have changed of, like, how we view things and how we want to correct them. And, you know, there's always fans storming the courts and storming – well, not maybe not basketball courts, but people are always storming the field, like in baseball and – um and football too. Who was that? I forget what her name was. She was. It was a woman in the '80s. She was storming all the baseball fields, and then she would go up to players and kiss them. I forgot what her name was, but um, because I wasn't alive, but I, I know about it. I think there was a documentary on her. But, uh, but yeah. So I mean, people like embraced it, and then when Hank Aaron hit it, that home run, and everyone's storming and like running with him, like so. This has always been a thing. It's just like we're choosing to address it a different way, and now you know we gotta correct it. I guess, and, and, you know, all these people now are going to start doing it for clout. They got to do something to, so they end up on, on SportsCenter or ESPN. Someone's talking about them on Fox or whatever, and that's what that last guy in Washington, you know, when he stormed the court, he gets arrested, he gets tackled, whatever. You know, he did that just for some attention for TikTok or something, even on the Super Bowl. Someone was, someone went streaking in the Super Bowl. Remember those, um, was it those women that was, was at the World Series or the Super Bowl? And then, you know, they were exposing themselves. They flashed uh, the camera and then, uh, you know, they, they tweeted something on, uh, they put something on Twitter or Instagram and it was like for for some fashion brand or something. I, I don't even remember, but I remember those, those breasts everywhere and people were looking them up all the time. So, I mean, people do it for attention to get views on their website or sell their product or whatever. It's just, a, it's a quick way to get a bunch of followers really fast. So, I think that's part of it too. I don't think it's it's something that's like, oh, you know, people were inside for a year and a half in COVID and now we don't know how to act. It's I think we've we've always like never knew how to act in in public or at, you know, sporting events 
and people in just in general are just assholes like we're all just dicks to each other all the time you know and i think part of that is just we just don't like each other and you know that's fine uh but you know as soon as it, it gets super personal and attacks or whatever and and physical then it then i guess it's a problem but yeah i don't i don't think it's code related i mean i would too I went to a minor league game on Friday, minor league baseball game, and you know there was a, the umpire made some bad calls, and I'm like, okay, you know, it's just part of it. I don't really care that much since it's just fucking minor league. You know, I'm just there to watch the game and have a few beers or whatever and hang out. And then you know, people in the in the audience, the fans, they were just yelling at him like, oh, who are you working for and all this? Like, calm down. This is it's minor league baseball, and you're worried about what call he's making. Drink your $5 beer and eat your hot dog and shut up, man. If you're really mad about it, just go home. You know, it's it's just minor league baseball. If it's professional, like, okay, we could argue. If it's if it's high school and your stupid kid is on the field, then all right, I get it. But it's not. So, um, so yeah, I think everyone just needs to chill out. Uh, it's not due to COVID, you know. I think it's we're just assholes in general, especially uh, sports fans who go to games and who are dedicated and, and support their teams. So that's my that's my take on it. All right, so back to the NBA playoffs. Uh, you had the Wizards and the Sixers. They uh, play tomorrow. And yesterday, Joel Embiid left the game with some some knee soreness, and he is I think he's out uh, for the next game actually. And the Wizards came back. They were about to be about to be swept, but uh, he's listed as doubtful actually. Uh, he had an MRI on his right knee, and so sounds like he's not going to play tomorrow um, so philly leads the series 3-1 if i'm philly i gotta sit and beat out for the rest of the series unless unless it gets to game seven but i'm sitting him out because there's no way the sixers are going to lose three straight to the wizards i think the wizards are going to win this next game for sure tomorrow uh because you know they don't have that the the sixers don't have that interior presence uh, of Embiid and Ben Simmons has been just god awful. He's been missing his free throws like crazy, and he just he just it seems like he has no confidence shooting the ball. Um, and the Wizards have nothing to lose. You know, honestly, Westbrook has nothing to lose. You know, same with Beal. They're just they're just out there playing freely. No one's picking them to win at all. So it's kind of, you got that me against the world mentality there. Um, so I think it'll end up going six games. Uh, but if, if Embiid's out the entire series. You know, Sixers got a problem. Uh, not this round, but the next round. You know, they they're gonna need Embiid against Giannis and against the Nets. They're gonna need they're gonna need Embiid to be that guy for them and and be like a hundred percent because especially if Ben Simmons is playing the way he is. Um, you know, you could have Tobias Harris, but I don't know if you could rely on him that much. He probably offensively more than Ben Simmons at this point. Um, but um, I look for the the Wizards to make a push there. Uh, the Hawks and the Knicks have been a really exciting, not not exciting because some of the games have been bad, but it's been in, interesting at least. You know, the Knicks haven't been in the playoffs since, was it 2014 when they had Carmelo Anthony? And then the Hawks, they haven't been in a long time. Um, but, you know, the Hawks, are, they're deep. You know, they're deep offensively. Trey Young is playing really well. Um, you know, he's coming on the scene and, and, you know, proving that, you know, he's actually a star and, and he should get some star treatment. Um, you know, the Knicks have... You know, they're down 3-1, you know, and Julius Randle, you know, he's had a great season. He was, uh, you know, most improved player this year. Some people had him on his MVP ballot. Um, 
If I had him, I would have had him like fifth or sixth or something, uh, just because what he did or what he helped do for the New York Knicks, put him back in the playoffs and, you know, put some attention there. They're hosting playoff games. They won a playoff game. You know, Derrick Rose has been huge for them. But it's just not enough. You know, defensively, they're not able to stop Trey Young. Trey Young is just picking his spots, going wherever he wants. When they try to double up, you know, he just passes the ball around. He he finds the open shooter, and they have so many shooters. You know, Bogdanovich has been playing really well for them, and you know they just have they have all kinds of guys that could beat them. You know, and you know there's some there's some trash talk back and forth. Um, so I think they're they're gonna play next. They're gonna play at the Garden again. Um, and they have, yeah, it's they're, the, the Hawks are up 3-1. Seems like they have full control of the series right now. I think the Knicks will win this next one, but uh, the Hawks will probably close it out in six. Um, it just it just seems like it's that way. Uh, the Knicks have no answer um, for Trey Young defensively. It, like, you know, they've, they've tried to try to body him. They try to, you know, double him up, try to play physical. And the Hawks are still outscoring them. And they have no flow offensively either. You know, Julius Randle struggling is not helping at all. Um, you know, their only bright spot has really been uh, Derrick Rose, which is, you know, nice to see. He probably only has a couple years left or, or something like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, the Knicks just look all out of sorts uh, offensively. Then you have the Jazz and the Grizzlies. The Utah is up 3-1 right now. Let me double-check that really quick. Uh, yeah, you have the uh, the Jazz are up three one. Uh, you know, you have the Grizzlies. They they took that first game from Utah with uh, Donovan Mitchell out, and then there was reports that Don Mitchell was mad because his doctors said, "Hey, you know, you're good to play," and then team doctors said, "Oh, you're not good." So it was you know kind of conflicting from from both medical teams there. Um, and you know, Grizzlies got a good win that first game, and then after that. Um, it's been kind of over after that, but you know, they're, they're close in the beginning of the fourth quarter, you know, Memphis is there and then it feels like, you know, Dylan Brooks is good and he seems like he's growing into that second, uh, second guy there for Memphis. Cause after John Morant, you know, he, he's the guy, he sets the tone for them. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, he's that, he's an interior, uh, presence there. He, he's a great rebounder. Um, you know, but in, in some series, he, he just finds his way on the bench, um, you know, just because, uh, you know, he struggles in some spots. And then uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's played like nine games or ten games or something this season coming back from a major injury. And he's just looked he's looked okay sometimes, but most of the time he's looked bad. He has such an ugly outside jump shot. I can't watch him try to shoot a three. It's It's bad. Um, so I don't know what his future is like there. Um, I, I think they might need to cut bait. You know, they got obviously got to give him some time to try to get his legs back and and see if he can he can be productive there. But Dylan Brooks is he's taking that next step. He's t he takes that uh, that job of of guarding the other team's best player. And you know he's he you could tell he's a young player. You know he he takes stupid fouls. I, it seems like every time I turn the game on or, or the game it's late in the game. Um, you know, they always show Dylan Brooks and he's sitting on the bench and it says fouled out, you know, had this, he, you know, had, he had a great defensive game against, you know, Steph Curry or, or, you know, Donovan Mitchell or whatever. And then it's like, oh, he, but he fouled out, you know, he took this dumb foul at the end. Um, and then in certain games when they're down by five or, you know, they're kind of close and, it, you know, he can swing the other way in a few minutes. It seems like he just shoots Memphis out of the game. You know, he takes too many threes. He, you know, he's trying to 
kind of control the pace of the offense too much and you know it kind of goes haywire and you know he's still this team in general is still growing you know jaw had that 40 percent or 40 percent 40 point 47 point game uh the other day and i think it was last week or something and you know that kind of that could put them in the spot you know and then they beat the warriors who everyone thought that was going to beat them and you know so they're here they're definitely here you know they seem like they're a piece away and you know they're probably going to go through some some growing pains here if uh if the jazz win this next game you know because memphis was right there but you know now they got to figure out instead of making the playoffs you know now they've they made the playoffs now they got to figure out how to win games in the playoffs how to be consistent defensively and how to you know how to you know be poised defensively and not have stupid fouls and you know they got to be able to control the tempo you know cuz that's one of jaws uh, my one of my critiques with with John Morant is that sometimes he's just like he seems like he's just out of control right when he's dribbling up and down and you know he's just he's just like thinking too fast and in some cases the i think maybe next year you know after this playoff experience here for him the game's going to slow down a little bit for him and he'll he'll take that next step i thought Earlier in the season, I thought he was a little overrated because you know his three his three ball wasn't there and his his shooting he was just really inefficient. His shooting percentage was bad. He wasn't the best free throw shooter. But um, after that that playing game or that playing game, he had a good game with uh, against the Warriors, I believe. And then after that, you know he's been a lot better offensively. You know picking his spots. He has his float game is good. He has that inside floater. It's really good. But you know I think it comes down to Dylan Brooks taking smarter shots. You know, not taking dumb fouls and just being more consistent defensively. Uh, the Jazz are, you know, they're a well-oiled machine right now. You got Donovan Mitchell has been playing pretty well, and then you know you got that deep bench and Rudy Gobert just out there uh, defending. He's pretty much just a blocker. He doesn't do much else. I mean, he'll catch some lobs here and there, but I think talent-wise uh, and maturity-wise, you know, the Jazz just just have them beat. And uh, yeah, I think they should win that next game here. Um, even though I, I I picked the the Jazz to lose to the Golden State Warriors, I was so wrong on that, and I was just uh, obviously a, a prisoner of the moment there because this Jazz team is really good, and uh, yeah, made some bad calls. Obviously, I was very wrong in some cases, and I'll, I'll get into my my next uh, my next very wrong choice here in a bit. Um, and then next you have Mavericks and the Clippers. Um, this series is just kind of crazy because it's. You know, it's tied 2-2 right now. You had the Mavericks winning those first two games. And then Luka just looked crazy, like just out of this world. Generational talent, obviously. He's so good. He does so much for, for the Mavericks. And then, um, you know, after that, it was like the Clippers were just, they look like they act, like, you know, because they, they take some games to avoid the Lakers. And then they, they chose to, to play the Mavericks. And then they were down 2-0. And, you know, Paul George, you know, he's, He's not as aggressive as he should be. Kawhi is not looking like Finals MVP. Kawhi, it's just kind of like there's just something off with them. And then Rondo seems like he wasn't fitting in. But then these next two games, the Clippers win two more, two in a row. And this last one, they completely destroyed uh, the Mavericks. You know, the Mavericks had like 81 points that game. It's like a 30, 40 point blowout. And you know, uh, Luca, he has a shoulder injury right now. And, you know, he was questionable to play, but they ended up playing. So now it kind of comes down to Luca's health. You know, if his, if his shoulder's really injured, if it's that bad, you know, I don't see the Mavericks advancing. 
You know, first two games they were just completely dominating the Clippers, and the Clippers had no answer. I think I put, I picked the Clippers in five, but you know, I'm I'm wrong all the time. Um, so now Przingis has to step up. He has to be able to get them thirty. He has to be that that real second guy for him, especially if Luca is not a hundred percent. And then you have Tim Hardaway Jr. He's been he's had a great series, so he has to keep that up uh, for them to to you know win this series. But you know I'll still stick with the Clippers. But man, I just I can't stand the Clippers. I just hate watching the Clippers because like they have so much potential. You know they should they should have won the championship last year. They should be you know one of the top two picks to win the championship. But then Kawhi is not. He doesn't show up to what he needs to be. Paul George has just been a disappointment. Um, you know he took it in stride last year. He was like, all right, you know I messed up. I gotta go back to my my original trainer. He owned up to it. You know he owned it up like a man. But now it's like, dude, you gotta answer. You said you were gonna come back better. Now you gotta answer. I need you to put up big numbers offensively in the playoffs, and I need you to stop Luca. Like if you have the two best wing defenders, you got Kawhi, you got Paul George, and then you got Patrick Beverly. You know he was he was the second the first team all defense a couple years ago. Like you gotta be able to. Have a few guys that can that can stop Luca. You know, I know he's huge. He's he six seven, and he has all these crazy post moves, and he can he can score any, anywhere on the court. But you got to be able to figure out a way to try to make Przingis beat you, or Tim Hardaway Jr. beat you. But you know, and they did that the last game, so you know they they just got to do it a couple more times to uh, to stop Luca there. But you know, it's gonna take Kawhi to be the Kawhi we know. In the playoffs and in the finals, who who was Finals MVP and was able to lock people up defensively, and then he was so consistent in that mid range, um, that mid range jumper offensively, and able to get to the basket and you know um, get some steals and all that stuff and, and rebound and he's got to be that all around player that we've seen him be in the past and you know he hasn't been you know the last couple of years but we need to be able to see that for them to uh, to even think about going to the conference finals or the finals at all. Okay, so this next pick was very embarrassing. You know, last year in the bubble, I think what I've learned now is, like, I think I, maybe I overly estimated the bubble. Like, people who were successful in the bubble, I'm like, okay, they're going to be great this year if they, this is what they did under those circumstances. But I guess it was different because they were playing there. They didn't have to travel. They didn't have any outside noise. They are just, like, they're in the hotel. They do all the, that's all you got is basketball, 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 and you're right there. And... The Miami Heat seem to be in the heads of uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, so I gotta apologize to the Milwaukee Bucks organization, to Giannis, Drew Holiday, uh, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, Dante Divincenzo, all these guys you got there in Milwaukee. Um, you know, it seemed like Miami, no matter what, they had their number. You know, they could get in Giannis's head. They know how to defend him, and I'm like, okay, I think I think Miami's gonna do it again. Because I haven't seen Milwaukee prove it in the playoffs, which we know we still haven't. But you know they've time and time again they've lost when they're not supposed to. When they've had the MVP, they've had arguably the best player in the league at that time, and they they just haven't been able to get it done. And they crumble in the last couple minutes of the game. So like okay, Miami, Miami Heat culture bought into it. Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, they're gonna find a way to get it done. I'm like okay, they're gonna beat him again. So wrong, uh, you know the. The Bucks ended up sweeping Miami and straight up just embarrassing them. They demolished them. Every game was bad except I think the first one was close. Uh, Jimmy Butler was just god-awful. Every single game, his jump shot seems just broken at this point. 
couldn't make anything. His percentages were off. Bam was just not good either. He wasn't good defensively. Ron Drogic's probably done. Tyler Hero, he thinks Ty- Tyler Hero thinks he's a superstar or thought he was a superstar last year. He's not. He he hasn't been able to uh, to advance his skill set and further his career. He never he didn't take that next step like everyone thought he would uh, this season. Duncan Robinson, you know he's good in spots. He's um he's gonna be a free agent or he is a free agent now. Andre Iguodala looks completely washed. He seems ineffective, like just completely. He doesn't affect the game in any way at all. I don't know why they're they were even throwing him out there. Um, but this team has a lot of they have a lot to sort out. You know they got just completely embarrassed and demolished there. You know I there was you know conflicting reports about that uh, they could have gotten James Harden from the Rockets. Uh, but then the only holdup was like, hey, we don't want to trade Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. But I guess Houston wanted more draft picks, and now it's coming out that they were in the early stages. There was nothing on the table yet. But if I'm Miami Heat, and like only Miami and Houston knows what was happening in those conversations. So if I'm Miami, and I know that I could have gotten Harden just by giving up Tyler Hero and a few picks and, I don't know, Iguodala and Olenek or whatever the hell you had to offer and I didn't and I know that and I didn't do that for James Harden then I'm I'm not literally shooting myself but maybe I was shooting myself in the foot I'm upset because they this team needed something they needed an offensive creator Jimmy Butler just wasn't that in this uh this series and they didn't have that if he had Harden there running the point and setting guys up picking his spots getting whatever three he wanted driving to the lane you know, doing pick and roll there with Bam, you know, doing his uh, his uh, his uh, his floater there, and hitting threes. You know, setting up Tyler Hero or no, Tyler Hero would be gone. Setting up Duncan Robinson or Andrajic and and uh, and Jimmy Butler. Like, I think that I think I'm not sure if they beat Milwaukee, but it could go six, seven games maybe. It makes it more competitive. They don't just com- get completely blown out. But you have someone in James Harden who could light it up. He could drop 40, 50 on you. In the playoffs, you know, that's that's what Miami needs because they were just so out of it in the entire time. In the entire series, they're just out of it. You know, the first one was was, you know, was good. And, you know, credit to my uh to Milwaukee. It, they had to get that first game seemed like it was a must win. Because if Milwaukee loses that first game to Miami, everyone comes out like, oh, Miami has their number. Is Giannis really the guy? Does Giannis need more help? You know, is uh, were these trades for for Drew Holiday was that worth it? You know, getting PJ Tucker is Chris Middleton, you know, uh, the the right guy to to support uh, Giannis there offensively. You know, Budenholzer was on the hot seat. They were talking about they're going to fire him and all this if they don't if they don't do go on a deep run in the playoffs. All these questions and stuff would have would have come back up. So Milwaukee, the the first game was very important for Milwaukee because they needed come out send a message. Basically say, hey, they're not in our heads anymore. You know, they don't have this over us. You know, we have mental toughness now. You know, everyone talked about Miami's mental toughness. Now Milwaukee has it. Like, they have to show. And they did show it. And then they didn't let, they didn't even give them a gentleman sweep. They just completely demolished them after that. That was them, that was them telling everyone, like, hey, we're, we're mentally tough now. We're here. You know, because we got Drew Holiday. They have, Drew Holiday is such a strong presence for them. 
He's such a he's like the perfect. I don't know. I wasn't like super on board with it. I liked it. I thought they gave up a lot, like a little bit too much for Drew Holiday, but I think it was it's just a perfect trade for him. He's great defensively. And then when they play Brooklyn next, I, they got to put him on Kyrie, just shut down Kyrie completely, and then make um and then you got Giannis on on KD defensively. He can guard him. He's lengthy like that. He's physical. He can be physical. He's long. And then you got to make Harden beat you. And, you know, he, he Harden has that, the history of the playoffs where, you know, he kind of crumbles at the end. And so you got to leave it to him. I think that's what that's what that game plan has to be. But Drew Holiday has been great for them. He's great defensively. He can lock up the best guard. We saw what he and AD did to uh, the three-seed, three-seeded uh, Portland Trailblazers. He completely shut down CJ McCollum and, and Damian Lillard. They could not score on him at all. He's a good character, high character guy, good locker room dude, and I, I'm a big fan of uh, Drew Holiday. He's underappreciated, underrated player, but I think he's uh, people are going to give him his flowers during this postseason because I think Milwaukee's going to make a deep run. I still, I'm, I'm going to stick with my picks though of the Nets and the Lakers, but Milwaukee they showed a lot by just completely blowing out the um, the Miami Heat. And I think it, it, you know, that's a testament to the guys that they brought in. You know, PJ Tucker, he's, you know, he might not do a lot on the in the stat sheet, but you know, does a lot of other little things that helps them take that next step. Um, but you know, the next series is, is going to be tough though, because you know, if if Milwaukee does bow out in the second round against Brooklyn, does Mike Budenholzer still get fired? I mean, I don't know. If you you have Giannis, you know you. You know, you have a chance every year. I think, you know, the three teams that can make it out of the East, it's um, it's Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. But now we need to know the, the health of, of Joel Embiid, right? So so if Embiid is missing a few games and he's not 100%, there's no way they make it. So then you'd have, like, the real conference finals would be in the second round, uh, Philly, not Philly, uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And <clears throat> very excited for that series. It's just gonna be, it's gonna be really good. Um, I think uh, Brooklyn's gonna have to figure out how to, how to get some stops. But same with same with Milwaukee. Like Giannis is just gonna have to be, he's gonna be have to be all over the court. You know, has has to be physical with KD. It seems like that's the only way you can pretty much stop KD. Is you gotta get really physical with them. Maybe double up with some length, but. Um, it has to be Giannis. Giannis has to take that challenge and has to dominate pretty much. But <clears throat> KD is pretty much he's automatic from the inside, that mid-range jumper. You just you can't stop it. So uh, we'll see. We still have a – I guess today that game's going to end, but we have a few games left until uh, that second round starts. All right, switching gears here. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, I talked about a, a couple episodes ago. Uh, mini series on HBO Max, uh, starring Kate Winslet. Uh, just finished its seventh episode, and um, yeah, my I guess my uh, my takeaway is that uh, I think the Emmys are over, and Kate Winslet just definitely went for that. Um, the ending, if you haven't seen it all, I, I won't spoil it for you. I just I will say uh, the ending was was very well done and very satisfying. Um, I had had closure on there, um, so I I thought the way it ended was just perfect. 
Um, I know there's already articles and people talking about, you know, second season. They want to see uh, Mayor, you know, solve other cases and stuff. But I just think the way it ended, you know, it tied up a lot of loose ends, uh, especially for uh, for Kate Winslet's character and, and you know, her, her personal demons that she was trying to overcome. It, there was a lot of uh, closure on her end as well. So I just thought the way it ended was, was perfect, and I don't think it needs to be uh, – added on to like big little lies big little lies i kind of felt the same way the second season was good but you know you could tell that they just uh you know there was just such a, a popularity with it and people were basically demanding second a second season like okay you know this was just gonna be a mini series but here, here's the second season for you guys um and you know you could tell it was just kind of written quickly and uh kind of pieced together and they're like oh hey we could get meryl streep here so let's let's do that let's get a big name on here um, so I don't think they need to do that with this show. Um, I think it, I mean, I'm trying to think of other, you know, um, mystery shows where there's, you know, there's a murder and stuff. And um, I can't think of another one that I, I've watched recently that was better than this one. You know, I did like The Night Of. That one is on um, HBO Max. That one came out, I think, like 2016. That's the one with uh, Riz Ahmed. Um, that one was really good too, though. Um, but I... I guess maybe I've seen it recently, but this one, I just feel like it's, it's just so much better than any other, uh, you know, mini series that I've seen, you know, with like detectives and stuff like that. Um, the first season of true detective is probably better. That's one of the best, uh, seasons I've ever seen of, of television. And that one with Matthew McConaughey and, uh, Woody Harrelson, but the way that they do that is, you know, they're they're kind of talking from the future and then going, and then you're going back through the story with them. The way Mayor of Easttown was, it was all, you know, straight on. Like this is the story, this is what's happening, and then you know they have other scenes where they talk about the past and stuff. But this had, you know, usually when I'm watching something in my head, I'm like, okay, I think I think this person did it. I'm trying to figure out uh, what's going on and piece together, you know, the ending, uh, the undoing. I kind of had like an unsatisfying. Uh, a result at the end I was just like okay well that's what I thought uh, but this show was was different because the whole time like okay it's, it's this and this you know they had there was a whole list of suspects and then um, there was like a bunch of twists like each episode something happened and then it's just like two different cases getting so it's it's crazy and it was just a lot of um, a lot of twists there and uh, yeah like I said the ending was just it was great and the show in general is just very, very dark and um, just, yeah, a little depressing there. And, um, but yeah, I, I would definitely watch it again, you know, give myself a few months, you know, after not watching it and then just watch it again and just maybe catch, catch some different things I didn't notice uh, the first time. But highly recommended. And, um, I know Kate Winslet wasn't the only star of this. I think, uh, Jean Smart, she plays her mother in this and she was like i guess she was supposed to be serious in, in a lot of the scenes but she was just so funny in this show and then you know she also has another show that's on um, hbo max and they're both on at the same time and they were getting you know you're getting new episodes of each but both shows at the same time and she's starring in the other one it's called hacks and this one is a comedy and she plays uh gene smart does gene smart plays a an aging uh comedian a stand-up comedian and you know people are, are thinking she's funny she's losing her 
her Vegas residency. And um, so she has to hire a new like joke writer. And this joke writer is, you know, she's like 27 and, you know, she she got fired from a couple jobs and she's kind of between jobs. And this is like her last chance uh, to get to, get, you know, to work in show business and to be a comedy writer. And, you know, they're just like completely different personalities. They don't get along at all. Jean Smart, the entire time, she's just like such a dick to her. She's so rude to her. And uh, this this writer, she's she's like she's not very well known. I think this is like her first like her first big uh, casting. Her name is Hannah Einbinder or Einbinder. I think Einbinder. Einbinder sounds right. <clears throat> but if you watch uh, an episode of Hacks and you watch Jean Smart. And, you know, how funny she is in that one. And then you switch over to an episode of uh, Mayor of Easttown. Then that character, her character in that is is, is a lot funnier. And, um, you know, she's really shining there. And you can see her talents simultaneously. And I think it's great that they uh, released both of them at the same time. Because uh, it gives a lot of credit to her. Because she could also win an Emmy. I thought she was just fantastic in, in both of those roles there. Because um, her, her and Kate Winslet really stick out uh, for me. Well, obviously Kate Winslet, but uh, Gene Smart as well in uh, Mayor of Easttown. Um, so, yeah, check those shows out. I highly recommend those. Very funny. Um, and then the other one's very uh, very dark, but very uh, a good uh, detective show. And it's more about, you know, the, the character and the background of, of uh, Kate Winslet's character, Mayor, instead of the actual crime. If that makes sense. Well, that's how I took it. And her kind of having to overcome her demons and, you know, to to like herself again because she has a lot of self-loathing and seems to not have gotten over her past yet. Uh, but, yeah, check those out. And then I finally finished Snowfall. Um, I was a, a couple years behind. I had stopped watching the second se- since the second season randomly, but I had everything on DVR, so I finally caught up. Uh, I think it was season four. Season five is coming out next uh next year i think it was next march or something but um yeah towards the end of that that most recent season if you haven't seen it a lot of people died um i'll just say that but um yeah i i will be done with this podcast Uh, thanks for listening and yeah enjoy the rest of the nba playoffs uh baseball is um, i'm getting some some giants games finally so i'm enjoying that um it's been a good season so far And then I think that's it. So, yeah, Uh, thank you uh, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Um, We'll be gone for a bit, but uh, should be back in time to, to make another episode next week. So thank you, and we'll talk soon.